Welcome to the CGN Podcast. Today I'm really excited to introduce Robbie Sultan, who is New Zealand's 2019 under 102 kilo weightlifting champion. And it's an interesting discussion, and I just want to make sure that you can find him on Instagram, because our Wi-Fi cut out a little bit at the end. So... To find him on Instagram is at Rob Sultan, and that will be the best platform to see what he gets up to and follow his journey towards the Commonwealth Games and hopefully further along to the Olympics. This man is the definition of what it takes to become an athlete, uh, emphasizing discipline and consistency at the forefront of what he does. Enjoy. All right, we are live and ready to kickstart uh, an exciting podcast here today well and facebook live for those watching live um seeing our faces which can be useful sometimes with all my hand gestures but nevertheless i want to introduce robbie sultan so he is the 2019 uh weightlifting and category class 102 kilo champion or under 102 kilos i'll let you dive into that a little bit more and explain what that means but mate welcome to the show and this is uh this is gonna let's go just see how this goes because um yeah i've I, I worked alongside you for a, for a long time well for a few years now and and you're very knowledgeable in this area so if you've got any questions this is the guy you want to ask because he almost knows as much as me so mate welcome thanks conrad um yeah, so I'm Robbie Sultan, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I'm currently working as a strength and conditioning coach up here in Nelson for the Tasman Marcos. So I'm looking after the, the women's high performance program. And I'm also working as a personal trainer at um, Tasman Performance up here in Nelson as well. So that's what I'm currently doing at the moment. Um, just a wee bit of background about myself. I grew up in North Canterbury, lived most of my life there. Um, and then I moved into Christchurch to do a wee bit of study. Uh, studied sport and exercise science at Utter in Christchurch. Um, and then I did a few uh, strength and conditioning internships and competed in CrossFit and played a bit of rugby and now I've gone into weightlifting so um, yeah that's a, just a wee bit of background about myself. I already want to dive into that a little bit more because you're out the gate and I like it so <laughs> brilliant yeah mate I think because we've been working together uh, well within in the, in the academies and that's where I guess our relationship in terms of the nutrition side of it uh, really started there and now you've landed the role up in in Nelson and that's that's awesome to see you grow and uh, another young lady that was with me Kelsey sort of doing that little thing together it's, I think it's quite exciting in terms of um, um, I guess connecting two very knowledgeable people and working in a professional environment it's, it's exciting to see and um, and that's where I sort of spoke earlier about the, the knowledge that you have so mate, I just really want to know sort of you've given us a bit of an overview of, of where you're at, which is, which is great, but I really want to dive into, you know, who, who is Robbie, you know, like where did he start out on his, on his journey in life? <laughs> you know, like people like to know a little bit about, it. you don't have to dive in too much, but yeah, give us a little bit of background on, on who you are. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good, good question. Um, yeah, so I grew up in a, in a rural, rural area called Okuku in North Canterbury. So I grew up living with my parents there and my sister um, on 20 acres, so a small lifestyle block. Um, absolutely loves living in the country. Did a lot of hunting and fishing and working on farms and kicking a ball around all the time. So that was how I spent most of my days. Um, probably it was at that stage, that's probably when I found my passion for sport. Uh, I spent a lot of time, like I said, just out in the garden, 
uh, playing rugby by myself or, or shooting basketball hoops by myself. Um, and I played a lot of sport through school, played uh, basketball, rugby, soccer, uh, cross country, athletics and things like that. So just loved everything to do with sport and um, carried that passion going into high school. I went to Rangira High School and um, towards the end of it, I uh, played for the first thing at Rangira High. And uh, that's kind of where my passion really started with, with strength and conditioning. But um, played a couple of years in the first 15 and I had passions and oh, I had ambitions of, of playing for Canterbury and Crusaders like a lot of other young teenagers. And then it was probably until about my last year that I decided that I enjoyed the fitness side of things and the, the strength and conditioning side of things more than I enjoyed playing rugby. Um, and that's kind of what drew me into to CrossFit once I left school. So from that stage there, I decided to do an individual sport, which was CrossFit, and I just loved it at the time, um, just straight into it, and um, did that for about three years and got really involved in it, and I absolutely loved it. Coached it at uh, Sixth Floor Fitness in Christchurch for three years, and then um, from there, because CrossFit does a lot of weightlifting, I kind of got drawn um, to the competition side of weightlifting, something I really enjoyed, and that's, that's kind of where I got to now, so yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I can relate strongly to that sport up in a rural area. And uh, I, I didn't have, I had a sister who played sport, but wasn't really sporty with me. So I kind of had to find other means to, I was a little bit ADHD in a way that actually I was tested <laughs> young because I was just all over the place. But uh, with a, just a range of sports, and I think that um, that's where the passion lied. And I think you were quite fortunate that you walked out of, high school knowing exactly that you wanted to follow the sport path um, which for those that know my story I went through veterinary and then decided to do <laughs> sport first so in fact you've done it straight off the bat and still being as mature as you are to get through that's really cool so yeah mate, I think that's awesome but I just want to know what what was the transition you said that you wanted to get into the physical fitness side of the sport and rugby and that sort of stuff but what was there a certain time that you it clicked for you or was it sort of you just kind of lost the passion for rugby how, how did that look for you yeah it was probably about my last year in the first 15 that I sort of uh sort of lost the love of the game a wee bit I absolutely love rugby all, all the way through school um but yeah probably yeah fell in love with the gym a wee bit and uh, and just you know running shuttles and things like that just really just strength and conditioning in that last year at school and I remember I used to um you know, I used to be late to late to fifth period sometimes because I'd be in the gym at lunchtime. <laughs> um, I'd have to wake mum up early to take me to the gym before school and things like that. So I just I just really love just training, and I think that's kind of what's drawn me into where I'm now was just that passion for training, and that was greater than playing rugby with with my mates. Like I still really enjoy that side of things, and I still really enjoy the the team aspect of it. But in terms of rugby and things like that, I definitely prefer just um, just training now. So. Nice. When you look at the training side of things, is that more for training other people or, and, or understanding the science behind training and sport? Or is it more of just you liked it yourself, so that's what you'd rather go down? Uh, it was a bit of both, really. I, I really enjoyed testing things in myself and pushing myself to see sort of what I was capable of. But at the same time, I really enjoyed, um, I remember at high school, I was sort of playing around with working with a few other people just at school and, and things like that. So I really enjoyed helping other people and passing on sort of what I had learned and what, what had worked well for me. Um, and it's, yeah. It's that passion working with those younger athletes. Eh? It's just, uh, 
it's such an incredible feeling and I guess that's yeah I can see yeah when you worked with those young fellas and the big smile you had on your face and uh, yeah they absolutely loved it so I'm sure you did as well um before we get into the probably the more of you training yourself side I really just want to dive into you know what are you doing for work sort of outside of that and obviously now you're working with the, the women's rugby and you've had a bit of experience in that rugby setting in the professional environment you know, how is that transition from study because uh, I know a few people ask this question is the transition from study to actually working with semi-professional athletes yeah it's been an interesting one um to be honest I'll probably struggle with uh with the study side of things a wee bit especially coming from high school and, and going into sort of a, like a, a uni um it was it was quite hard I found it quite hard um having to do a lot on on your own and not having someone there to chase you up so my first first year at uni was a real struggle and it wasn't until about my second and third year that I started to sort of um become a bit more disciplined with studying and and working with other people in my class and things like that and um once I got that sort of down packed and got my time management and things a bit better um everything started to flow on from there but uh, in terms of the transition from study to working in a the semi-professional environment um, I think I was really fortunate to to be involved with some really good internships through my study as well so I was involved with Lincoln University for two years uh, which was really good I, I learned a lot of things there and um, that's kind of um, definitely contributed to my philosophy of training now uh, I worked at Cross College for a brief stint as well and then I also worked with the Crusaders Academy uh, for almost a, just over a year so yeah, I was pretty fortunate to work in those sort of um, semi-professional environments and um, the Crusaders was obviously a really good environment to work in. And I was, yeah, so going from there to professional work, I think it's it's given me a lot of experience um, sort of being involved in a, a semi-professional environment and then being able to carry that over to where I am now. So I feel pretty fortunate to have the path I've been on. So just on that, what sort of advice would you give a young up-and-coming sort of strength and conditioning to be coach at the age that you started uni? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Looking back, I'd, um, like the intern internships were really, really beneficial for me. Um, I think at times I probably didn't apply myself to the study side of things uh, in my classes and things like that as much as I could have. Um, but the internship, I, was, I absolutely loved it and I, was, I threw myself at every opportunity I could. And I got a lot out of that, but at the same time, um, like I said, in my second and third years, I started to pick up a wee bit, but that side of things is really important too. Um, but probably the biggest thing, if, if I was to go back and do another internship, um, probably the biggest thing is to try and go above, go above and beyond uh, what they expect you to do. So, do, you know, doing extra reading, uh, talking to other coaches, um, just really throwing yourself at every opportunity you can and trying to make a good impression on whatever uh, franchise or whatever um, union or whatever you're involved with. I think that, that sets a really good impression on them. So, Mate, yeah. That's some great advice to any up-and-coming uh, person that wants to get into this, in this scene because it is getting saturated, uh, but it's becoming very clear of the good ones and not. So I think, mate, you've just nailed on the head. Eh? It's, it's those that really want to get it, to go get it, and I think you are definite go-getter so yeah that's awesome and and how does that the sort of that professional uh, environment or that that time in that environment translate to you and your private work or what you do now in that space 
yeah, probably a big thing I took from the Crusaders Academy. Uh, it's just the standards they had there and, and probably the culture as well. Um, yeah. As soon as you walk in that place, it's, it's completely different from anywhere else. Like it's, um, everyone's really welcoming. Um, everyone works really hard. Everyone's, uh, there's no sort of um, hierarchies or anything like that. Everyone's needed to get better. Um, like in, in the academy setting, it's the year ones are, um, are learning from the year threes and the year threes are pushing the year ones and, and things like that. So it's, it's a really great environment to be a part of. So. So do you think that's quite important for, you know, just your one-on-ones or those small groups that you work with in the private setting that to start creating that environment? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So straight, yeah, straight off the bat, just um, a big thing from the Crusaders I took was probably just the connections side of things as well and just building relationships. I think that's really, really important. Uh, and I got that from CrossFit as well. That was something I really took from CrossFit was just making regular connections and, having conversations, not just about training, but just, you know, checking in to see how they are, um, what they're doing outside of the gym. And that, I think it's really important. And, you know, the, the flow on effect from that is just eventually going to put more into your program just because you've, you're building that relationship and building that trust. So I think that's really important. Yeah, because people want people, right? And that's what we're finding very quickly with the COVID situation that we've gone through is – I don't know how you've found it, but I know with the environment that we've created is people want to go back to that one-on-one connection. They're willing to start investing in that space. And if you create a good environment for that, they're going to want to do it. And I, that, that's where, uh, and looking at 6.4 and what they've got and the culture they've got is just incredible. And what um, Kome and Tolls have created is, is actually, is, it's really awesome what they've done in that space. And um, I guess, you know, how, how is it working with them and learning sort of their, their method in terms of you going from CrossFit into weightlifting and being part of that culture. So working, what was it like working for? Yeah, or both just, yeah, yeah. How, how was it working for them, you know, being part or just even, even being in that environment and then how did that sort of transition into you wanting to do weightlifting competitively? Yeah. So I was pretty fortunate um, that Comment Tolls gave me an opportunity uh, at Six Four Fitness. I think it was in 20. Oh, 2016, or oh, end of 2016, maybe 2017. Oh, so how many years out of school were you? Uh, that was that was second year at uni. So still so, very young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about probably 18, 19. Oh, yeah, probably about 19 when mm. I started CrossFit coaching. Um, but yeah, wow. when, I, when I first started CrossFit coaching, um, Call Me and Tolls had just opened their, their business in, um, in Christchurch. And uh, it, was, it was near Hornby, so it was on Blenheim Road. And um, it was quite a small gym to, to begin with. And we didn't really have a lot of members. And I, that was my first real experience coaching anyone, really, uh, in, in, a, in a sort of group setting. So uh, when I first started, I was very shy. Um, I've always been sort of a, a shy sort of person growing up. And Tommy uh, and Tolls always say I was pretty shy when I first started. But I think going from that, that really helped me grow. Um, just taking classes all the time having more conversations with people, learning how, you know, different people communicate and things like that. So, um, yeah, that was really, I was pretty fortunate to start where I did. And then moving into the bigger facility with more people, like how was that growth for you? Yeah, it was amazing. They were, like, they, Six Four Fitness grew pretty quickly. Um, like, I remember that old gym on, in, um, in Blenheim Road. We, you know, it was just, it was too too small. It couldn't couldn't cater to the needs of how many people were having in classes. So they had sort of no choice but to expand. 
and then once we expanded, the classes were sort of, they're still really big, they're getting bigger all the time, but they're, you know, we're having 15 to 20 people in and they were huge. We had two or three coaches on at a time. And um, yeah, I, that was probably where I did a lot of, a lot of my learning in terms of coaching movement and, and coaching different things like that. No, that's brilliant. Then, then obviously that's where the the fire was lit for the weightlifting because obviously weightlifting is a massive part of CrossFit. Did it start off as, you know, wanting to be good at weightlifting for CrossFit, or was it more of you started just to enjoy that side of things and you wanted to pursue that uh, as a sport? Yeah, because when when I first started CrossFit, I really enjoyed it, and um, like in, in most things I do with sport. I try and <laughs> I had pretty big aspirations straight off the bat. So uh, like most people who started CrossFit um, back in the day, the, the format of going to the CrossFit Games has changed a wee bit now. But back in the day, it used to be you do the Open, which is like a worldwide competition. And the top, uh, I can't remember, I think it was like top 30 from each region around the world. There was like a Pacific region. Uh, then there's America had heaps of different regions and stuff like that. They'd all go to regionals. And then the top five would go to the CrossFit Games in America. Um, so I had aspirations of trying to get to regionals in, in Australia um, when I first started. So um, I, I really enjoyed the the weightlifting side of things uh, when I was doing CrossFit. But yeah, in terms of transitioning into weightlifting, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I probably didn't start out um, having a massive focus on it, but towards the end, I really started to, to learn a bit more about weightlifting, do a bit more reading, uh, watch it talk to a few more lifters, watch a few more things, and then started to pick up quite a few things. And I saw my numbers just go up and up and up. And then that's when I just found the love for it. I just, just love the continual improvement of it and, and things like that. So Nice. Because for, you know, for those that probably are, are sitting at home or listening on the podcast, uh, how tall are you out of curiosity? <laughs> I'm six foot four, so meter 94. Which so. is quite tall for a weightlifter? Yeah, yeah, it's not... Um, <laughs> it's not a great build for a weightlifter. Yeah, no. So I, I really want to start looking at because obviously it comes down to a lot of the time we look at sport and we think, you know, talent's a massive part of it. But clearly, uh, yes, it does play a part, and strength is probably a part in your instance. But understanding technique and and you know working on your craft to get to where you are, and you've only just started on your journey, from what I see. To, to take out one of probably the hardest weightlifting competitions in New Zealand at, at that class, because you told me before, like, talk me through how competitive it is in that class and how do you match up to, to those other guys in terms of like stature and the physical side of things? Yeah, weightlifting in New Zealand, like a lot of the weight classes are, are pretty competitive. Um, 102s in my class in particular, there's some good lifters in New Zealand. Uh, in terms of how they're built compared to me, probably... A little bit shorter and a little bit wider, <laughs> put it simply. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there is some definite competition. And I think one, one of the big things um, to improve, especially being t- a taller lifter, is, is that technique and timing is, is everything. Um, so the margin for error is that much, you know, it's that much smaller compared to uh, someone who's shorter and things like that. So, yeah. Nice. No, I think that's really important um, f- for those that, you know, don't understand the sport, go away and um, sort of watch some of those, the competitions, uh, whether it be Commonwealth Olympics, watch some videos and, and the, just if you watch people break it down, I don't know how many videos, there are a lot of, a lot of stuff on YouTube, isn't there? 
yeah, I'm sure yeah, you've probably gone deep into <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible when people actually look at the minute change uh, that could determine whether you get a lift or not. So it's a pretty incredible sport uh, in that side of things. Um, but in terms of you know your weight, we had a question: is you know do you train? I'll pull it up. Does does he train at his competition weight, or does he does his weight fluctuate? Um, and I think this would be quite a interesting one for you and different for, for probably a lot of people. So just talk us through that. How does that look for you? So I compete in the 102 kilo class for Olympic weightlifting. And uh, there is several other different weight classes as well. But generally I'd, seem, I'd, I'd usually train about, so I compete in the 102 kilo class, but I train about 104, um, yeah, 104 to 105. So a little bit heavier than my weight class. And usually my training is, sits around that majority of the time. And then when I need to, to cut some weight for a competition, um, to lose, for me, two or three kilos is not very hard, um, especially the amount of carbs I eat and the amount of food I have to eat. It's pretty pretty easy to drop that in the, in the space of a few days. So, yeah. It, I think it's probably for other weightlifters that you may have talked to at competition. You know, what are their processes in terms of food and how do they look at some of these, You know, whether they are people that are underweight often overweight um just thinking for some people listening in that might be you know from other make weight sports yeah so they're are they considering trying to make a, a weight class or just general there's i think it's a, a lot of people uh from that i work with like fluctuate and blow out and and you know it's it's a very interesting one and i guess for my experience, what I've worked with with people in weight weight sports, whether it be boxing, which is a little bit different than weightlifting because um, intensity and anaerobic systems and all the rest of it, the just uh, what I've found is people often, blow, yeah, like I said, blow out. <laughs> trying to see where I'm going with this, but what I'm trying to get is well, what's the mentality for a lot of uh, weightlifters that you might have heard of out there um, and their thought process on what they're trying to achieve over what time frame? Because what I get is it's often come see me when, you know, it's four weeks out and they need to lose five or six kilos. And, you know, that's a difficult task to have. And, you know, what have you seen? What have you heard in it? Just being within that space. Yeah. Um, probably, probably one of the bigger ones I've seen in the sport of weightlifting, it's probably more with females and thinking that they have to be in a lighter weight class. Um, when realistically that's, not really a good idea trying to lose that much weight. And like you said, in that short, shorter time frame. So in terms of like longevity and, and things like that, and even health and things like that, it's probably better just to sit at the next weight class and try and do as well as you can there. Um, obviously it's kind of context dependent, but yeah, for the most part, that's probably a big sort of observation I've seen where, especially when I was coaching CrossFit, there was a lot of females that, um, you know, thought they had to, go to the, the weight class below and they had to lose all this weight in you know a certain amount of time which yeah so when you look at oh, i can talk about the the you know the physiological in terms of like the loss of loss of the period um athlete triad all that side of things but in terms of performance when you have a weight loss like that what, what are the, some of the detrimental sides of that or what have you what have you found for people that have tried to cut too hard um Probably, yeah, probably just the biggest one is just feeling, you know, just weak and lethargic, slow. Um, so I, even for me personally, I, I, not, I don't have to lose that much weight now, but when I was competing as a 96 kilo lifter, 
Uh, that was last year, this time last year. Um, the thing just popped up on my Facebook today that reminded me. Um, but when I was competing as a 90, 96 kilo lifter, I had to cut weight because that 96 kilos for my body weight is pretty light. So I was sitting about oh, 99 or 100 kilos in training and then I'd have to cut that weight for the competition. So I remember my, my nutrition the day before, the, the few days beforehand was um, quite a bit different to what I'd usually do. And then on the, on the day, I definitely felt a lot lighter. Um, I mean, you can get a lot of food in after your weigh-in and things like that, but for the most part, I'd, I'd prefer prefer it now because I don't really feel like I have to lose much weight. I can actually have breakfast in the morning, um, feel pretty you know, energized going into the, the competition as opposed to waiting till one o'clock to eat after my weigh-in. So, yeah. I guess it's, it's probably something that I can, thinking about the cognitive side of it, when you are cutting that much weight and being in, I know it's mainly carbohydrate that you're probably reducing for water, um, for water loss. But what is the cognitive? Because you said, you know, how you feel. Like how important is that component of the sport of weightlifting? Yeah, it's massive. Um, especially for, for weightlifting, like that's a huge part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can have the best training cycle in the world, but if you're not, if you're not there mentally and you don't have that cognitive focus on, on the platform, um, you're probably not going to perform very well. So is that something, you know, nutritionally, how important it is, not just for the, the weight side of things, but also the cognitive side of things? That's actually something that just popped into my head then. So um, I think that's a probably another thing when you're on tournament stuff that you can push and when you talk to guys like that um, in that space of how important, you know, like making sure you're not cutting too hard for weight sports. And you, if you go into things like like sports like boxing, we actually, um, or jiu-jitsu, well, on those lines, we actually need like a little bit more stamina um, per se, you're going to have obviously further consequences than just that, that, that elite, but it's, it's incredible how much that can actually impact your physical performance as well. Um, considering it's such a short time frame in terms of the, the weight, but mental, that's crazy. So that's really good to know, <laughs> especially when you probably have to cut a whole lot of creatine, which could be huge, huge, uh, sorry, hugely uh, useful for that anyway. But anyway, we'll jump onto sort of your, your eating regime and, you know, like just this, when you first, you've always been very diligent, you know, you're, ex, you're extremely lean dude. Uh, like there's no issues around food and just, um, you know, weight loss or, or anything like that. You know, like how, how do you see food uh, for you and what is your process to, to get to where you were before you even met me? <clears throat> so I, I learned a wee bit about nutrition. I learned the basics of nutrition through my degree. Um, but it wasn't until about my second year at uni that I started to, become a bit more interested in it and do a bit more study outside of what we were being taught. So a big sort of influence that, um, or big, big influence I've had is being from a company called Renaissance Periodization, or you might've heard it as an RP diet. So I read the ebook and um, kind of understood the whole philosophy and, and, and tried it on myself first. And I had some really good results for that. And uh, I mean, they're, they're, you can call it a diet, but really it's just based on, scientific principles i'm sure it's similar to what you do and what a lot of other um dietitians do as well mm -hmm. um so the big thing for me um uh, that i took from that was um making sure that i'm actually eating enough for what i'm doing is, is probably the biggest thing for me and um eating eating the right amount that reflects whether i'm trying to lose weight or, or gain weight and things like that Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> it's so good to hear. Yeah. Um, so that's probably, that's probably the foundation of what I'm doing now is just making sure that I'm eating enough to fuel the activity that I'm doing. 
And then secondary to that is making sure that I'm getting enough protein, enough carbs and enough fat. So just making sure that that, that sort of ratio is, is right for the type of training that I'm doing. So if I was, that might differ if I was a, I don't know if I was playing rugby or I was doing CrossFit to if I'm doing weightlifting. So especially the, the carbohydrate side of things, but protein and, um, and fat and things can sort of depend on your body weight and stuff like that. Um, and then a big thing for me as well was nutrient timing around training. That's something I've started to learn a bit more about and it's something I try to implement now alongside with um, the work you do with me. And then, um, you know, is it, a, is it a fast digesting carb? Is it a slow digesting carb? That thing as well, but it's not really, I don't put as much importance on that, but it is there. And then finally at the top of the pyramid is uh, the one that most people put first is, um, is supplements. So um, surprisingly, I don't really put that much emphasis on supplements. Um, my diet is, so making sure that I've got a, a really good diet, making sure that um, I'm eating enough to fuel my training, making sure that I've got enough protein, carbs and fat, making sure that I'm um, for the most part, um, whole food, so lean meats, uh, a lot of veggies, a lot of fruit and veggies, whole grains, etc. Um, and then on top of that, just making sure that I'm drinking enough water and replacing or supplementing my diet <laughs> with uh, with things like whey protein, creatine, fish oil, etc. So mm. that's probably my uh, philosophy on my basic philosophy on nutrition that I've sort of learned from them, and then working with you as well. So. Nice. So how much of it was trial and error? So talk, like, what is your calorie intake? And then what, what did it take you to get to that point? Uh, my calorie intake at the moment is sitting just over 4,000 calories on a training day. Um, it's sort of built up to that a little bit, but um, when I was a wee bit lighter, obviously it wasn't quite that much, but it was still sort of around 3,500, 3,800, but I was doing a lot more sort of um, aerobic and aerobic type stuff with, with CrossFit. Are you still tracking your food out of curiosity? Yeah. Yeah. I still track my food. Yeah. But you know, kind of what food will fit into what part of your, your day kind of, cause I know you go, you, when we spoke last time you go away and you sort of work it out if you didn't really know, and then you'd be like, Oh, sweet. I know what that is. And then you can chip away with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do track my food. I do, um, uh, I do weigh and measure everything. Um, a lot of people will say, Oh, that's you don't really need to do that and maybe you don't but for me it's just become it's become pretty normal and it sort of feels odd when i don't do it so it's not really a big big hassle for me and it just i really like it just because it helps me um just make sure that i'm eating you know the right amount of food to fuel my body for the it's probably the most important thing not under eating not over eating i think for you the biggest thing is potentially under eating isn't it because how quickly you could lose weight if you were going to and then you know that could be set you back a month or two <laughs> In reality, yeah. 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 So I guess if, if this average Joe that you work with, like, what, if they came to you and said, "I want to start tracking food," yeah, what would your approach be with it? Now you've actually tried it yourself, and, and things you can, or tips you can give to them. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's useful to know or get a gauge of sort of roughly how much you need to be eating, or how, get a gauge of how much you are eating versus how much you need to be eating. And, um, and sort of uh, having a look at it based on, on that. So I think that's, that's probably the most important thing, um, especially if you're an athlete. Uh, <laughs> like I've seen this in the past, a lot of rugby players come to me and say, oh, you know, I'm really struggling to get bigger. You know, I can't put on weight. And if you look at their diet, they're not sort of, not nowhere near even eating. Close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
yeah, we're talking needs of, you know, three and a half, four thousand calories as well uh, for them. And they're, you know, they're just looking at their partners and going, I'm eating a little bit more than my partner, but, you know, a little bit more than your partner's only two and a half thousand. So, you know, when you're working with the, the level that you are, um, I think it is, is, is an important part of it. Um, but I always also look at it too, and, you know, who is the individual? And I think the type of person that you are, you know, you love the detail and that's why you go in and you're such a good weightlifter because you're looking at every little part, you know, your video stuff, you analyze, you do all that stuff. I think it's absolutely incredible and it, it kind of sets you up to be, to be really, you know, diligent and disciplined. And um, that's where the, you can use things like tracking and stuff as an a- asset to, to what you do. And, you know, like that's, that's been a long process that you've been doing it for, isn't it? You know, the tracking and getting to where you are in terms of your, your needs and understanding what they are. Yeah, yeah, it has been a bit of a, a long process, but it's been really beneficial as well. Like I've had some really good results, not only not only in terms of performance, but also body composition as well. Um, so yeah, it, for me, it's been really beneficial. For you, it's consistency, isn't it? Like how the, the more consistent you can be, the better it's going to be for you. Yeah, if you yeah, 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 and that's why I think that's really important. So that's that, that's awesome. But I know, like now and again, you might have a family dinner or all that sort of things. You know, how do you how would you approach you know social gatherings in that sense? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good point. I it's something like probably about once a week, I'd say. Um, like for the last few weeks, I've been having a Sunday roast at my flat. So, like for that for that for example, like I wouldn't I wouldn't get my scales out to to weigh and measure everything. I just sort of eyeball it and. And enjoy eating but it's you know it's still healthy food at the end of the day but it's mm. just being mindful of my portion sizes and and you know I, I still have um i'll still go and have a bit of um you know a bit of dessert every now and then or go and have a pizza or a burger or whatever and that's absolutely fine i feel like um i've got to a stage now where um, i'm okay with doing that kind of stuff like it's not really doesn't impact me in any way it's uh, if anything it's it's beneficial to have something different and something tasty <laughs> absolutely yeah and, I, and what's something else you've learned so uh, we talk about sort of variety was a big one that we we've worked on over the last little while and you tracking and doing that stuff like how has that assisted you in doing you know increasing your the type of food you eat or the top, different types of food hmm. um so yeah like how has uh, can you say that again? Yeah. yeah. So how how is the variety like? So you tracking food like how has that helped increase the sort of the variety of oh, your okay. food? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has definitely helped. Um, just being a bit more aware of what's in foods, um, mm. you know, allows me to try new things and, and add things here and there. Um, so and, and yeah, just getting the right amount. So I'm not having too much of, of something. So. one thing and it's not enough of another and all the rest of it. And that, yeah, that, that's um, on the money and that's where I encourage people to, to not, yeah, like what you've done is and track your food. I think it's great. But then if you don't want to have to track your food all the time, the next alternative is, you know, track it if it's a new meal or when you want to try something new. So you get an understanding of, of like what you're eating and what you're putting in your body. Um, obviously the level um, that other people need to be at versus you are, are very different because, you know, you're trying to be, an elite athlete and you've got huge aspirations and and what you need to do and what you need to achieve is, is phenomenal and you know like how, how many hours of training would you do a day um probably at the moment it's probably an hour and a half two hours so probably not as much as people think and that's just yeah. because i've got a lot of other commitments outside of outside of work so um training's a stress and work's a stress so yeah if you if you do too much you're just burning the candle at both ends and i've definitely had my first year of experience with that so um 
yeah, my coach has definitely modified that a bit. Based let's, on my work. let's dive into that. Uh, I know you you track your sleep too, don't you? And how do you do that? Yeah, um, I, I don't track it religiously. Like I don't I don't write it down every day, or I don't use an app or anything. But mm. I I do try and get to bed at a similar time every day and get up at a similar time. So I'm I'm building a routine. So generally in bed by nine thirty to ten. Um, sometimes if it's been a really busy day or if it's under the pump a wee bit, probably a little bit later. For the most part, 9.30 to 10, and then up um, between about 5 to 5.30, um, maybe a little bit later on the weekends, but yeah. Yeah, so it's just making sure you get your, your hours in that you need and also the quality and, and all the rest of it. So is there anything else you do in terms of you know reduction of stress or recovery that you really emphasize and you think is mm-hmm. an important part of your routine? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, a, few, a few little things that I do to sort of unwind and um have a break from work and and training and things like that but probably the big one for me um are things that i really enjoy uh are just just walking and getting out in the outdoors is something i find really relaxing and um something really enjoyable for me and then another thing as well that's um i mean you guess you could call it recovery but even just little things like reading a book or, or watching a film I, I find that really um helps me sort of unwind and get a bit of psychological recovery as well. Um, I think it's really easy for, you know, especially for up and coming athletes or, you know, if you're studying or whatever, the people just constantly be saying, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to stretch, you've got to roll, or you've got to, you've got to do this amount of training. You've got to just keep reading and, and, and so on. But I think it's really beneficial to have those periods where you can just, you know, chill out and do something you enjoy. And I think that's going to help you do a better job when you go to do the stuff that you, you do want to get better at. Nice. That's so important. I think uh, your general, your average Joe, I think lose loses sight of that a lot of the time. So, you know, I know you do a lot of like personal training stuff as well. Um, but you know, when you have worked with public, or I guess if you have someone out there who's coming in and and wanting to, you know, they've just come out of COVID and they're like, yeah, they're ready to go, and they want to do lots of sessions and they want to do just focus on exercise and weight loss and all the rest of it. Like what? Now you just said that and. And how would you explain to them the volume of your training and what things to to really emphasize there? Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, a, so that's actually a situation that's happened to me. <laughs> so people have come to me saying, you know, I'm keen, I've had eight weeks off or whatever. I'm keen to get back in the gym, keen to train five, six days a week. And, um, you know, the thing, if you've had a, if you've had a long layoff, um, You've, you've bought and you haven't really done anything i mean some people would have done some you know something hopefully body weight sessions running whatever but um had a bit of time off strength training using barbells and etc so um yeah i mean your body's detrained to, to some extent whether it's aerobic or anaerobic or, or strength or speed or whatever um, so you would have had some detraining effect through that sort of layoff period um it's important not to um not to go too hard in the first week or well, first few weeks back, I think that's probably a common theme where people just go straight straight back into the gym. Um, they're trying to use the same weights they've been using when they when they left the gym last. Um, they're trying to do the same same amount of volume, same intensity, and then the DOMS just ruins them for the rest of the week. Um, so probably my biggest advice for people coming in like that, or maybe even people that have just watched a documentary and suddenly they've just become inspired to start training in the gym, um, is just to take things slowly. So that might look like one or two sets. So say, for example, if you normally do four sets um, or whatever, you might do one or two sets. Um, and the weight might be 50% to 
to what you can usually do and just, you know, a slower tempo or something like that. Um, and you might do two, two sessions per week to start with or three sessions or whatever. And then gradually over time, you sort of build that up, um, build your volume, build your intensity gradually over time, um, build up your frequency and then, yeah, just go from there. But definitely don't start too hard. I think it's a common, you've probably seen it as well, but it's a common theme with people coming back from this COVID. Okay, so what happens if I don't and because I'm worried about my ego? You start lifting too heavy? Yeah. So that's just how I've just gone in and just tried to rip ten old mate next to me. I'm trying to hit PBs. Like what? Well, what's the risk? Yeah. Um, yeah, you've just been doing nothing for the last eight weeks. You haven't been really lifting heavy. That's a massive shock to your body um, and your muscles, your joints, tendons, etc. And um, you're probably going to have some pretty good DOMS, mm. <laughs> especially if you're doing sort of slightly higher reps. Um, and there's a potential for, you know, there's a risk for injury as well, coming straight into something heavy like that straight off the bat. Cool. So as much as we want to get back into the gym and do all that sort of things, actually, you know, just increasing slowly is probably most important. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I can't I, I think, um, Sorry to interrupt. I, I think something that um, is probably quite important as well, especially if people have, you know, they were quite good at training before the lockdown and then suddenly – um, like I've spoken to a lot of people where the first, um, the first two or three weeks of lockdown, they were really motivated to do body weight stuff at home. They're really motivated to go and do their running. And then, you know, as, as time passed, the sort of motivation goes a wee bit, you know, one, uh, four workout slips to two workouts and then two workout slips to one workout and, and so on. And, um, and now they've just lost all their motivation and, and they've lost that sort of habit and routine of, of training in the gym. So I think it's really important as well, just to start, um, obviously being sensible about what you're doing, but just building that habit of, of training again and, and going to the gym and, and training, I think that's quite important for people to start doing again and, and just being realistic about that. One session is better than, than none or two sessions is better than none. So yeah, just being smart about how you progress back into that and trying to build that habit again. That's spot on. I like that. I'm in the exact same thought process. And yeah, when I go back into the gym, like I wasn't even worried about trying to lift heavier. I was just like, sweet. If I could do two more reps after whatever I was going to do, I'm, I'm happy. You know, that, that I wasn't trying to go heavy and trust me, I was still sore, but I wasn't debilitated like I'm pretty sure a lot of people were. So, no, mate, you're, it's awesome. No, mate, that's all. Um, I think we're sort of getting to the end of it. I think you've absolutely flown through the last sort of 40-odd minutes. I just want to know, you know, like what – actually, I've got, got this question first. You know, someone's got someone asked it, so I've got to – got to ask it as well so who has been your best training partner oh <laughs> oh it's a good question it's kind of a second um, half i'm just gonna leave it there <laughs> yeah yeah um i've been training with this um this young guy up here in nelson called xavier he's he's been pretty good to train with um yeah, he's not very strong but he's uh he's getting, he's getting there um i suppose a bit of man i uh, mentioned andy andy barakowskas and uh Doug Sacconi Fraser down in Christchurch as well. I'll probably be coming down to see them shortly for a train. So nice. Go on you, mate. Um, Mate, I just want to know what, what, what does the future hold in you? You know, you've always had big ambitions. They have slightly changed um, course, which I think is great. Um, That's exciting, but mate, weightlifting, you know, you, you know, it's taken along quite nicely, but what, what, what is your goal? What's your ambition? What do you want to do with it? So, kind of, 
athletic goal is Commonwealth Games. Um, unsure what how that's going to be affected by COVID because the Olympics have been pushed back. So I'm not sure if that's going to stay the way it is or it's going to change. And still haven't heard anything about that yet. But Commonwealth Games is a 102 kilo lifter is my primary sort of athletic goal, which I'm working towards. And there's certain things you've got to do to sort of build up towards that. Um, or we sort of steps along the way, we processes. And then in terms of my sort of career, um, uh, a professional strength and conditioning coach for um, a sports team, uh, preferably rugby, but we'll, we'll see where that takes us. Yeah. Who knows at this stage, you could be anywhere, which is, which is exciting. Um, yeah. Mate, I, yeah, I, I think the type of person you are and how diligent you are in all aspects of your life and, you know, there's some, you're more diligent with me than nutrition and I'm happy to put my hand and say that, which I think is, is a true testament to, to who you are and what you want to achieve in the future. Because, mate, Com, Com Games, so that's an exciting time. That's, that's a massive sort of adventure and a, and a ride for you. And, you know, you're definitely in the mixer with that, I'm sure. And to get you on stage and lift well uh, during that would be would be brilliant. So, yeah, I guess, um, mate, thank you for sitting and chatting. And there's obviously a, a lot we discussed, but I think that, that there's some, some absolute gems in there. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, like with nutrition and weightlifting, it uh, should never be a yo-yo. It should, uh, you know, and that, I think that's like life as well. Um, you find your, your consistency, your equilibrium, and then you can you can train and adapt quite nicely. It's just about... You know, it comes down to effort, doesn't it? And how how much you're willing to put in and, and work on it. So, yeah, mate. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, to finish? Actually, I've got one more question for you. I'll write this down. What does it take to be an athlete? There you go. Oh, sorry. Um, you just cut out. For, just try that yeah, one again. That is a good question. Probably. Yeah. Sorry, you're cutting over as well. The biggest one for me is, is discipline, uh, yeah, self, self-discipline. So, and some aspects of also your life as well. I think um, something that that sort of that I took a lot of benefit out or got a lot out of um, a few years ago was I listened to a speech by um, by Nagel. Um, you might have heard it, but he he told you to just make your bed every day and. Um, like such a simple thing but for me that was um that was really beneficial and started doing that and then other aspects of my life started to to become a bit more disciplined in those as well and then it, it gradually that just applied to my training um so discipline consistency has been a big one so not just um you know, hard on the days you don't feel like it you know those are really important days um i've definitely had my first year of days where um it's been a long day at work and you've got to do a session but you, you know you've just got to do it and, as well um not every session will be great but um you're always just trying to keep moving forward in, in some way so yeah discipline and consistency are probably my big two for right that's awesome you just cut out a tiny bit just that name of the the speech um i think it's uh Oh, geez, I can't remember his name. Uh, I, should, I think it's Raven, someone. someone but, Raven. It was, it was but he's a Navy SEAL. Just type Navy in uh, Navy SEAL. Yeah, back to yeah. bed every morning speech. Yeah, it's a classic. 
No, it's outstanding. <laughs> um, wonderful, mate. I think the old Wi-Fi is just starting to pack it on us. How good. Made it this far. Almost yeah. almost had the discipline to get through it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I just want to say thank you again. Um, I'm looking forward to, to share, uh, hearing more about your journey. Uh, what? Uh, where do people find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram, um, at Rob Sultan. Um, on Facebook as well, Robbie Sultan. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are, those are probably the biggest things you find me on. But uh, yeah, definitely on Instagram, at Rob Sultan. So. Nice, mate. Yeah, follow your stuff there. You're, you're throwing around tin most days. You can see him, see what he's up to, see what he's lifting. Uh, he, he lifts heavy stuff, let's just say that much. But mate, I really appreciate you jumping on and I'm sure people take a lot away. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. No problem.